Hello, and welcome to the SAMOPS Specialty Spotlight Podcast. This podcast was created to help inform military medical students about experiences and opportunities in military medicine. We aim to interview physicians either currently in or retired from the military, from all branches of service and various specialties. Today, we are fortunate to have Dr. Kaiser with us. Dr. Kaiser is a faculty member at the University of the Incarnate Word School of Osteopathic Medicine and a retired Rear Admiral of the United States Navy. He has held many great leadership roles over his years of service, and I won't steal away the opportunity for him to speak on those himself. As a student at UIW, I have the privilege of having learned from him and excited to broadcast his insights to the rest of the SAMOS community. And with that, welcome, Dr. Kaiser. How are you, sir? I am well. Thank you for that that kind and very gracious introduction. Uh, Thank you. I tried not to dig too much into your history, but I I know if anybody Googles you, it's uh, pretty easy to find some pretty substantial things that you've done. Uh, You've certainly had an impact on the the United States Navy, so I'm interested to hear about that. But I guess before we get into that, would you like to give us a little background on yourself? Uh, Sure. Um, Well, my name is Bob Kaiser. I'm a family physician by training. I um, am. My dad, my family was a career Army family. Uh, and so uh, I, I sought a, a, a commission in the Navy instead of the Army because I've been to all the, all the Army places when I was a kid. <laughs> um, one of my father's great disappointments in life is that his son joined the Navy uh, and not the Army. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think uh, in retrospect, uh, he's, he's long dead now, but I think in retrospect, he would, he would have to admit that it worked out okay. So, so, so there you have it. There you have it. I have to agree. Um, so where did you attend uh, medical school? Sure. Uh, I'm a graduate of the University of South Florida uh, College of Medicine uh, in Tampa, Florida. Um, uh, that was uh, uh, a place that was close enough. My family, my, after my dad retired from the Army, he wanted to go where it was warm. He had no state income tax, and so he moved to Florida. And, uh, and they, lived, they lived in Miami, my mom and dad. And I, Tampa was close enough that I could uh, go home uh, on the weekends, but wouldn't have to go there for dinner every night. So it was it was a perfect distance. Uh, and I got a great education there. It was a terrific, uh, terrific, uh, uh, terrific school and terrific folks, and I learned uh, learned a great deal. And at, I already know this, but you, you had said that your uh, family practice trained. So where did you do your residency at? So I did my, I did my internship actually in, in internal medicine at Naval Medical Center Oakland, which is now closed. Uh, did a GMO tour um, and then came back to the family medicine residency at uh, Naval Hospital Charleston, which is also closed. Um, uh, and then I did a fellowship in academics with the Army up at uh, Madigan's Army Medical Center in Tacoma. That's pretty interesting. I know that you had talked to our class at one point about this, but you had, you had said that you had discussed uh, how you had some trials and tribulations over whether you were going to go into family medicine or not. Did you want to elaborate on those? Yeah, you? sure. Of course. Uh, so I, I entered medical school wanting to be a family physician. And, um, and, and you know, which something that often happens, I think, when folks feel perhaps a little threatened by that. I was told by by uh, the professors at, at, at South Florida, where there was not at that time a robust family medicine department, that I was way too smart to go to family practice, and um, and that uh, you know I'd have no future there, it'd be boring, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I uh, said, well, okay. Uh, so I I instead wanted to do a, a medicine internship, and uh, it didn't take me long after I was there that I realized family medicine is really what I wanted to do. 
Um, and uh, I, I remember the day I had that epiphany. Um, I was on the neurology, I was on a, a general internal medicine ward rotation, and uh, we, I, I got called to the neurologist's office. The neurologist was a great guy, and he was so excited. We had a, a patient with ragged red fiber disease, not a public health problem, um, but uh, he was so excited about this, and he was, he was effusive in his excitement. And uh, so I'm there, I'm listening, and he said, oh, it's a great case, a great case, a great case. And so uh, we talked about that, and I went in to examine the patient, and it was a, it was a, 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 a radio man from Guam, a woman who was in her mid-20s, uh, who'd been med medically evacuated, been back to Oakland. And, uh, and uh, she I introduced myself, and she smiled at me with a myasthenic snarl. You know, that's where one can raise the, the middle portion of the mouth, but not the outer portion of the mouth in a smile. And uh, um, and so I examined her and, and did all that kind of stuff, and finished up, and got her all tucked in. And then I went back to talk to the neurologist, and he uh, he was still just all over himself with this, you know, great case, great case. And uh, and so I said, okay, so what do we do for this? And he said, there's nothing to do. And um, <laughs> You know, it it dawned on me at that moment that there was lots of things to do. Uh, how how is one going to explain this to this woman? Her daughter was with her. What's her four year old daughter going to deal with this? Her husband was there with her. There's so many things that could be done, and and that was the day that I I really had this epiphany that I want to treat patients and not diseases. And there's nothing wrong with treating diseases. You know, the neurologist was not a bad guy. He didn't kick his dog. He, he wasn't nasty. You know, he was a great guy. Um, but for him, the generic money in medicine, the sense of value, of, uh, you know, what, what, what is it that I really get out of this, was in treating diseases. And that's perfectly fine. But that's not, that wasn't for me. So I, I, uh, I went to my GMO tour, and then I came back to do family medicine. And I don't regret it, haven't regretted it since. Awesome. That's actually a great story. And the fact that you mentioned GMO is exactly the next question I was going to ask. So that's sure. always a thing, especially, um, you know, with at least students nowadays is we're always concerned about, oh, man, they're going to put us on this GMO tour. And it's like, I'm going to get a delay in my residency and my training and things like that. And I think there are, um, from my personal opinion, pros and cons to that. But uh, at least could you elaborate on what your opinion on GMO tours is and what your experience was sure. and how you felt absolutely. about it? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Well, I, I, uh, I went from Oakland, uh, my internship in Oakland to, uh, to being the, the general medical officer aboard the USS Constellation, which uh, is a, an aircraft carrier, which is now long gone. Um, sad day when I saw a Constellation be decommissioned, but we digress. And so I was the ship's physician. Uh, for 5,000 souls, and uh, and it was extraordinary. First of all, I discovered that I really knew what I was doing, which is kind of a nice epiphany, you know. It's, it's nice to sort of <laughs> know that you know what kind of what you're doing. Um, uh, that that tour uh, really introduced me to what the Navy was about. It introduced me to the mission of the Navy. It introduced me to to why the Navy is important. Um, and it really cemented within me the the uh, value that Navy medicine brought, and also the the value that the Navy brought to the to the country. Uh, um, this was during the Iranian hostage crisis uh, in in the late seventies, early eighties, uh, and um, you know the 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 ship was just an extraordinary 
opportunity for me to both apply my trade and also to learn a great deal. And, I, and also, again, a great deal of respect for officers on the line and, and supply corps officers and dental officers. And I mean, any flavor, any flavor of, of staff corps officer you might imagine, because it, again, everyone came together for a specific mission that most people were not willing to do. And, and I, I took great pride in that. And I still take great pride in that. So um, my sense is if one has a chance to do a GMO tour, that I would take it because uh, there was actually a study done in Naval Hospital Jacksonville when I was a training director. And we looked at, at board scores of individuals who did GMO tours uh, or who, folks who went straight to the residency and board scores are higher among folks who do GMO tours. And that makes sense because, because they have a, they, they come back to training with a great deal of experience and, and uh, a great deal of confidence. And, and it's not, uh, it's not as novel. So it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of GMO tour. I know it's probably not a popular sentiment, but uh, um, certainly I think uh, I think that at least for me it was it was extraordinarily uh, powerful maturation experience as a physician. And when you say board scores, I assume so. Coming from a medical student, I'm thinking of uh, Comlex one to yes, one. I assume you mean specialty board scores. Yes, so. specialty board scores. Yes, and we look back we look back at six or seven years of retrospective data and individuals who came back from the fleet. Uh, uh, and the fleet means both, obviously, the, the fleet, like ships, and also the Marine Corps, and other units, CBs, and other folks have general medical officers, at least did back then. Um, uh, yeah, folks come back with a level of maturity and, and really have garnered a level of clinical expertise, which is uh, which makes them valuable. I'd agree with that. I know that uh, I've I've been counseled on it myself a little bit about the GMO tour, and I, I've bounced it back and forth because I certainly don't want to delay my training. But also, I've heard some pretty cool stories uh, from people from flight positions and so on that have gotten some pretty amazing experiences out of it as well. Not to mention travel. That's always nice, Absolutely. right? Um, so let's see here. I know you've held quite a few uh, impressive positions over your time in the Navy. Um, I know, I guess at one point you were the commander of the Naval Hospital in Guam? Yes, my, uh, I, I was the CEO of Naval, of Naval Hospital in Guam uh, 2000 to 2003. And uh, uh, my favorite little island in the whole world. Uh, I was there as a newly minted family physician when I had residency in 1982. And then, uh, you know, you told me that 18 years later or something, whenever I'd be going back to this grand officer, I told you you were crazy. Uh, uh, but I did, and it was terrific, and, uh, uh, and and that too was a terrific opportunity. You know, many some of my classmates in residency really didn't want to go far afield. You know, they wanted to sort of stay close to home. My my thought is, my gosh, you know, I'm getting I'm getting paid to go all over the world and do cool things that most folks aren't, aren't able to do. And uh, and how, how cool is this? And so it was a it was a terrific, a terrific tour, both out of training and also a terrific command tour. That, I mean, that actually sounds amazing. I, I wanted to go to Guam back when I was enlisted. There were a yeah. couple of billets I tried to swing, and I, I didn't get them, unfortunately. Well, you know, I think, I think the one thing that's a problem with Guam is it has a funny name. Right? I mean, we, Guam is a funny name. You know, we should rename it something like American Micronesia or something. It sounds much more romantic. But I, <laughs> I, I will tell you that... Uh, I loved my time there, both both as a as a newly minted family physician, but also then when I had the privilege to be a, a, in a place of leadership. Um, 
uh, extraordinary people, uh, extraordinary population on the island. Um, uh, just uh, really felt blessed to be there. So I obviously you've had quite a bit of leadership experience in working within uh, the Navy, not just from a clinical standpoint, but also at the uh, leadership level of hospitals and things like that. Is that um, I guess one of the other things that especially people that are considering whether they want to be a military physician or not, is that there's always this uh, discussion of a clash between the military mission, the, you being a military officer, and then you being a physician and how those all kind of interplay. Uh, do you have any words to impart on that or do you have an opinion on that? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think, I don't think, um, I, I don't think there's as much of a conflict as one might imagine. Um, um, first of all, the, the reason why I really, um, uh, had a wonderful time when I was in the Navy, and I don't really know this. When I was in for eight years, I got out for five years and came back. I don't really know that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in for eight years, uh, um, left in a huff uh, when I was, and, and we can talk about the huff I left in, but left in a huff, went to Texas A&M, College of Medicine, the other faculty, working with then Scott and White, now Baylor Scott and White. Um, and, uh, and every day I was out there, I missed it. I missed it every day. And I, and I missed it every day because I realized that when I was in the Navy, and this is still true, I never, ever, ever, ever had to ask a patient how sick they could afford to be. I never, ever had a situation where, well, Mrs. Jones, you need X, but you can't afford X. And so we're going to do something less than what you need. And I found that to be extraordinarily frustrating. And so when I was in the Navy, both my first eight years and when I, I was recalled for the first Gulf War and stayed, um, I, I was in a place where I could practice the purest form of medicine, I think, imaginable, where the patient got what they needed. Uh, cost was no, was no issue. If someone needed something that cost large amounts of money, they got what they needed. Uh, and... Um, it was, it was, it was again, a, a place where wallet biopsies were not necessary. It was just take care of the patient, you know, and, and for me, that was extraordinarily, uh, extraordinarily liberating. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think anyone who's considering uh, a time in the military or a career in the military, uh, I, if, if, if they're like many of my friends who got out, uh, who did not come back, uh, many of them regret because again, they 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 didn't have the freedom. They didn't feel like they had the freedom in civilian practice that they had when they were in the military. And and you know, yeah, do they dress you funny? Yeah. Do they weigh you like a prize cow? Yeah. Do they tell you where to go? Yeah. Do you have to urinate in a bottle and and you know get drug tested at someone's whim? Absolutely. Can they tell you where you're going to go in the world? Sure. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's. Um, it's uh, an extraordinarily wonderful place to practice medicine, and and even even when uh, when there was adversity associated with it, it uh, uh, again it was uh, yeah I'd go to I'd go to sleep at night feeling like I made a difference in someone's life in a way that many people were not willing to, and so I, I that was a that was a bonus to be sure. So I do want to address the huff detail uh, from. From why you left, I don't want to do it just yet because I do, but we're going to remember that because I want to come back to it. Okay, uh, absolutely. However, I know that you were talking about the contrast between uh, practicing in the civilian sector versus the versus the military. Uh, 
what about specifically family medicine and the civilian sector versus the military? And what are what are the things that you liked about practicing that specialty, specifically in the Navy? Uh, and maybe maybe it comes up in the huff detail. Um, but what are what are some of the constant frustrations you have with that specialty? Well, uh, well, actually, the uh, so the family medicine in the military is, in the Navy specifically is actually a, a um, uh, it, it's a wonderful place to uh, to practice. It's a wonderful place to apply one's trade um, because, again, the, the the options are so open. Uh, you know, I was interested in a full scope of practice, a full scope of practice, and so uh, I delivered babies. In fact, I delivered over a thousand babies in my time in, in, oh, wow. in the Navy. Fifty babies a year for twenty years is not hard. Um, uh, and I took care of kids, and I did. I worked in 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 uh, in the nursery, and I did um, a fair amount of surgical procedures, and I, and I had all those opportunities to do that in the Navy, because in the Navy, what really matters is, are you competent to do this? It's not that someone else wants you doing this. It's not, you know, there's turf to be, you know, the, the OB people are not worried about turf, for example. I mean, there's there's a gazillion babies to be delivered, so <laughs> over, we're, we're all in this together. And so the so the, the the collegiality and the camaraderie of, of that uh, uh, really was a, was a plus. And, and and when I was in civilian practice, uh, unfortunately, I was viewed as an economic threat, um, uh, as more than more than a colleague. And uh, and uh, you know that I mean, we got through that. And that's all that's all fine. But. Um, but there, there's an instant uh, collegiality, an instant connection with folks who wear the cloth of our nation. Because if you think about this, you know, why do people, why do people join the military in the first place? You know, I joined the first place because I needed someone to go to medical school. And, and you know, I, I mean, I, and, and, you know, uh, I would love to tell you it was more honorable than that, but that's the truth. I needed to pay for medical school. And so they did, and I was very happy about that. And, uh, uh, but, but you know, among folks that's, that, and some folks come in and do their time and get out, and that's good. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Individuals who serve a day in the military have done something most folks are not willing to do. They, they have, they have, when their countries call them, they raise their right hand and they say, "Here I am, and I will, and I will, I will be part of the solution." And so, uh, when, when someone joins the military, either enlisted or as an officer. And they and they spend their time in uniform, and you know maybe they don't stay forever. That's okay. I applaud them because they should stand a little taller and walk a little prouder because they have done something again that most people are not willing to do, and that's something that's critical. And they 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 understand and appreciate that medicine and military service are both fundamentally moral endeavors, and that we set aside self-interest both in medicine and in the military to attend to the interests of others. We set aside our own rights to protect the rights of others. We set aside our own desires to to ensure we're meeting the needs of the other. And 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 Brian, that's what makes this a moral undertaking. This is what makes this, in my view, an extraordinary undertaking and an inviting undertaking. And so, um, you know, I I I as a family physician, I uh, I loved my time in the Navy. Um, uh, I, I did. I, I loved my time out of the Navy as well because it sort of helped. It helped hone in my thinking. What was it that I really wanted? You know, what was what was it 
again, it, it gave me generic money at the end of the day when I felt, felt good about what I had done. I, I think we all kind of, or at least I would like to think that most of us went into medicine and similarly uh, military service to some extent with the idea of being a part of something greater than yourself and serving a purpose that extended yeah. upon yourself and giving back. So Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I again, that common thread, see, that common thread is what makes working with, with sisters and brothers in uniform, regardless of their positions or not, working with them so special. Because when, when I when I was at Camp Pendleton and and I was taking care of a, a woman whose husband was a lance corporal uh, and he's living they're living in substandard housing and he's off to Okinawa and she's there and she ain't got nobody right mm-hmm. that sacrifice is something that I resonate with and and I say you know that person that person deserves my very best and I'm going to give it to him. Right, because they're doing something extraordinary, and so again, it, it's part of the glue that binds folks together. Absolutely. So you've you've said a lot of great, amazing, positive things. Uh, however, it's it's never that easy, right? So I kind of want to lift up the rug and see what dirt <laughs> shakes out when we do that. Um, so what? And again, maybe this will come up with the huff part of uh, the story here, but what, what are some of the things that frustrated you a little bit or, or pros and cons, not necessarily just with the military itself, but maybe practicing in family medicine within the military? Sure. Well, first of all, I have a really high frustration tolerance. Uh, it's served me well my entire life. I've noticed in class. <laughs> I've noticed it in class. You've tolerated yeah. us quite well. Yeah, I have a very high frustration tolerance, so that's not that not that big of an issue. Uh, uh, Part part of part of uh, uh, and this we can get into the leaving in a huff factor. I guess part of part of uh, uh, sort of things I had to deal with. Sometimes there were there were decisions that were made that I had to march smartly to uh, that I would not have made. And so and so when those things would occur, I would I would have to say, okay, all right, what is the mission? Why are we doing this? What, what is it that I am entrusted to do? Even if, even if I'm not seeing getting support from somewhere else, am I going to, am I going to do that? Or am I going to take my models and go home? And the answer is I'm going to do that. And, uh, and so those things arose, uh, uh, periodically in the, in the, uh, I was privileged to be a Pacific Fleet surgeon during the Asian tsunami of, of, uh, Boxing Day tsunami of, of uh, 2004. Oh wow! And and I I, I was privileged uh, together with a, a veritable panoply of others to to take part in the medical response to the hospital ship Mercy to to uh, Banda Aceh. And and that was a uh, that was a, a very difficult time because again there were so many competing uh, imperatives right the the you know the the Certain folks within health affairs wanted us to keep, wanted us to not send any physicians or nurses because we needed to take care of people back home. Um, uh, I mean, there was, it was all sorts of stuff, and, and that was uh, that was challenging. But at the end of the day, we we sent a robust a robust medical crew on the hospital ship Mercy to Bond Aceh, and and I would submit to you, Brian, that if one looks at the the military service and, and military action as a as an extension of diplomacy and changing people's attitudes 
The hospital suit Mercy when it left Bondache was the most powerful warship in the Navy because when we left Bondache, you know, the folks knew in, in, in Indonesia knew that we were not there for any nefarious reason. We weren't there to do anything bad. We were there because we're Americans and we have big hearts and we want to do great stuff and we're in the Navy. And so we are ready to go and do what our country calls us to do, right? And so and so we had folks that, that went and did extraordinary things. And 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 the attitudes that folks had about 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 the, the Navy, particularly in Banda Aceh, where, where they had a, have had a long history of colonial oppression, where the Dutch um, um, and, uh, you know, where there's a sort of this, this inherent, uh, almost genetic doubt of, of Westerners. Uh, you know, we go and we, we, good, we do good and want nothing in return. We want nothing in return except to make sure you're, you guys are okay. And, and uh, I had a a very moving thing happened to me when I was, I, I attended the uh, Asia Pacific Military Medical Conference in Hanoi uh, two years later. And the, one of the surgeons from Bandache, an Indonesian uh, military physician, tracked me down and thanked me for, for what we did, what the United States Navy did, the Hospital Ship Mercy did for his people in Bandache. His whole family was wiped out in the tsunami. And, and he just wanted to, to thank me. And, uh, and I said, you know, hey, first of all, you're welcome. Uh, and, and the second is, this is what we do. You know, this is, this, is, this is what moves us. You know, we are in this because we believe it, that, that there's, we can be part of a global force for good. We believe that we can make a positive difference in the lives of people with less to touch. We believe all that stuff. And, and, you know, maybe it sounds Pollyannish, maybe it sounds silly, but, you know, I believe it. And the folks I was privileged to work with in the Navy, they believed it too. And there, and you know, of course, were there some folks who were on the on the far end of the Gaussian distribution who were kind of jerks and stuff? Sure. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you if you look at the archetypal individual who's who's serving in the military, as a physician specifically, where where you know you get paid a fraction of what you might make on the outside, but you make enough to do well. I mean, you don't you're not getting, you know, you're not lined up at the soup kitchen. Um, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just an extraordinary community, extraordinary camaraderie. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, there you have it. There you have it. So I don't know, would we call you a uh, skipper in this case when it was, uh, when you were responding? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I understand the idea of uh, being the surgeon of the United, uh, United, United States Pacific mm-hmm. or Pacific fleet. Um, right. Was your, did you have a clinical role in that, or were you largely coordinating the medical teams and their responses to all of that? I yeah, uh, sure, sure. Well, I, I, two things. First of all, I decided so I had a, I primarily had a had an administrative role in terms of orchestrating all these responses, getting people to the ships, doing the medical planning. I had wonderful medical planners that that with whom I had the privilege of working. Um, uh, Rick Morrison, Steve Jeffs. Um, uh, 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 uh These are all names that you don't know, but there are folks who all, for whom I will always, to whom I'll always be indebted, uh, who did great work. Um, and and so it, it was a, again a, a large medical planning effort to try to mount a humanitarian response. And uh, and 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 I and I I intentionally decided I was I was given the opportunity to go to Mondachi to to go to the ship and sort of watch them doing their stuff. I intentionally did not go 
because I know that whenever someone shows up, all work stops. <laughs> and and it, it seemed to me that it was much more important that they attend to the needs of the of the individuals who truly were most most wounded, most in peril, most most tender, most vulnerable than and to worry about the fleet surgeon showing up. So um you know, uh, so I, I didn't really have a clinical role so much, uh, much more of a, of a uh, kind of leadership behind, you know, back behind the curtain kind of role, and just mm-hmm. make, making it all happen. Again, not by me. Heavens, not by me. I'm just a guy. But I was surrounded by this remarkable team of, of souls who were just uh, so dedicated and so bright and so so empowered by the Navy to go forth and do good work. So from a clinical perspective for you then, I know you've, you talked about having delivered uh, quite a fair amount of babies. What, what is, was your favorite um, clinical experience as a family medicine physician yeah. in the Navy? Well, we know there, there's, two, two, there's two times. You know, family medicine really, again, we treat patients and not diseases. And, 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 and part of the generic money, which is a concept I've kind of been, have glommed onto, this idea of what good gives you value and worth at the end of the day. Um, is is when we are invited into the most precious moments of someone's life, you know, where we're invited into those sacred times, and the two sacred times that that come to mind are birth and death. Mm-hmm. And so when we're invited into to follow someone's pregnancy, and we're invited to come in and deliver their baby, and we're invited to be with them in that moment of extraordinary sacredness and, and power and wonder, um, I. I would go home from those feeling like a million bucks because I knew I made a difference in somebody's life, you know, and, 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 and the other, which may sound odd to you is, is at the end of life, you know, when, when folks who had, who had run the race and completed their course were, were now, um, um, finding themselves uh, at, at their end, um, you know, sitting with them and sitting with their family and just, and just being present for them in that also sacred moment, um, uh, which which uh, is is some people think that might, might be a little odd, but you know the common theme in both of those is is there is a sacredness, there is a holiness to the invitation, where someone says, "Let me invite you into this moment in my life, moment in my family's life, that is indeed the most tender, the most precious." The, the most difficult or, or the most joyful, but, but where, where it's a sacred, separate sort of thing and being invited into those, uh, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, those are all very extraordinary to me. And I, I treasure those uh, immensely. Uh, so uh, this one's kind of been addressed, but uh, I guess this from a more personal perspective, uh, there's a question listed here. What are some of the pitfalls we should avoid as physicians and or officers so rather not to the big not big navy but what we sure. as individual military officers and physicians what are some things that we can avoid what do you have words of wisdom so to speak to impart <laughs> on us young future military physicians uh, I'm, I'm not sure i have many words of wisdom but um you know i learned a couple things the first is uh uh if it is so important so important to to uh, trust the people around you. So, uh, 
you know, if, if one is a physician and one enters into into this with the idea of I have letters after my name and I am the smartest thing going and I am brilliant, you know, one enters into that with that sort of attitude. Uh, you know, I was every every day in the Navy, I was surrounded by professionals. I was surrounded by folks who knew their stuff, and and uh, you know, to honor the 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 folks who've enlisted, who who bring so much to the table, to honor. The, the 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 nurses and to honor the the dentists and the psychologists and the podiatrists and any anything you want um, and to to uh, to really value what they say and to and to to approach them again in in the spirit of we are collectively in this together to make sure the patient does well you know that's that's certainly uh, I think an important thing and, and I've seen physicians who stumbled because they did not do that. I've seen physicians who, who, uh, who didn't uh, appreciate what folks brought to bear, and, and, and even outside of medical circles, you know, as an officer, um, uh, the, there's a there's a, a an entity uh, which is um, which is uh, I think unique to the sea services, and that's a that's a chief petty officer, and uh, you know the senior enlisted folks who I will tell you took me by the hand. Brian, and, and when I was a young lieutenant and led me through the maze and and did it graciously with lots of sirs where they, they should have called me stupid, but they said <laughs> sir instead, and they walked me through things, you know, those folks uh, are to be honored, are to be honored. And and so if, if one... If one doesn't take the advice of their chief, their chief petty officer, if one doesn't, if one doesn't take the advice of, of of the of the corpsman that's with you, if one doesn't take the advice of the PA. I mean, you know, if, if, at least at least entertain those things, uh, then then one is set up for failure, and, and maybe more importantly, not maybe, certainly more importantly, the patient set up for failure, uh, because all these folks bring such a wealth of experience, and uh, to you know, the, it, it is the, the the foolish physician who discounts any of that, and it's the foolish na- naval officer. I'll speak for the Navy, who discounts the uh, the the advice of the chief, who says, "Sir, you may not want to do that. <laughs> you may want to do this instead." Uh, and uh, you know, the right response to that is, "Well, explain that to me more, chief, because I want to do the right thing." And and they will. And so, yeah, those those are the pitfalls. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I think we're kind of at the end of our mark for our time limit. Uh, so I guess we're going to go ahead and sign off here. Do you want to hear the Huff story? Oh, I'll tell you yeah. the Huff story. Okay. It's, we'll the take a story real quick. All right. The quick Huff story. So I was, uh, I was uh, at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton. I was a family physician on the faculty of the residency there. And uh, a gentleman named John Lehman was secretary of the Navy. And uh, he uh, he uh, decided that there were, uh, he'd seen too many MASH episodes, I think. And, you know, on MASH, right, what do you have? You have trauma surgeons that do everything, right? Mm-hmm. From delivering babies to anesthesia, right? And so he figured the Navy needed only trauma surgeons and didn't need family physicians. And, uh, and uh, so he basically tried to call all of us out. And, uh, and because, again, he had this ideological perspective. And so, um, you know, I, I and many other family docs went, well, okay, I can tell what I'm not wanting. And, uh, and plus, Navy, 
Navy trained folks, military trained folks, but I can speak to Navy. Navy trained folks are a hot commodity in the great outside world. And the reason for that is they function independently. They're, they, they know how to deal with adversity. They, they don't, their, their reflex response is, isn't travel the heart room equals echo. It's travel the heart room equals we're going to listen to the kid's heart rate, the chest x-ray. We're going to, we're going to figure out what this is and make a determination what is needed because I may not have an echo machine handy. Uh, anyway, so he, so this was the shtick, right? He was going to call all of us unneeded people out of the, out of the Navy and uh, Navy medicine and just replace us all with trauma surgeons. And so I got out and, uh, and, and he lasted a, probably a year or two after I got out. And then, there, you know, the Navy's a self-writing ship. And so there was this, this wait, <laughs> wait that, that wasn't a very good idea. And, and so then things came back to where they, where they were. But, yeah, so I got out of the house, and not only waited, it would have been it would have been okay, but uh, I, it turned out okay anyway for me. So I'm I'm pleased to say. I would, I would say that's a similar experience. Um, not sharing too much of myself, but as you already know, I I was a prior Navy corpsman, and they always mm-hmm. they always say uh, it's the, the Navy is kind of like the weather. If you don't like it right now, give it a minute or two, it'll change. <laughs> right. So right. Yeah, I could definitely certainly understand that. All right. And that wraps up our episode with Dr. Kaiser today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences with us future military physicians. For those of you listening, if you have recommendations for the podcast or anything you'd like to hear in particular, feel free to email samoffseducationchair at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.